0: You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds & Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Today, we are going to look at, and I know it's a super specific podcast, but we're going to be looking at the Paycheck Protection Program Loan Forgiveness Application And the reason I wanted to do this podcast is there's so many small businesses out there who are benefiting from the paycheck um, protection program. That's how that's the lifeline the federal government through the cares act has given small business to basically cover their payroll cover some expenses and get them on down the road for until we reopen consumers start consuming and businesses start going back to normal, whatever that is. So today is Monday, May the 18th. That's the day Mount St. Helens exploded. I was in third grade, we were at Hector's restaurant in Kirkland. It was very exciting. I had written and this is I think 19 man was it 1981 1980 something like that. Mount St. Helens just blew off the top third. That was crazy. But um, so we are Monday, May eighteenth, and on last Friday, May fifteenth, the SBA Small Business Administration and the Treasury Department they released the Paycheck Pro- uh, Protection Program loan forgiveness application. So we're going to take a quick look at that. I want to just do an overview. So you out there who are small business owners, or if you work for a small business owner and you're helping that owner out with. Um, their PPP loan and how to use the money and how to make sure it's forgivable because this comes out the paycheck um, protection program, it comes out as a loan and then you got to apply for forgiveness for it to become a grant. And so this is the application that we're going to go over. And I'm not going to get too in depth because a lot of this stuff is rapidly changing. We're getting new directives all the time on like last week. We had um, Secretary uh, Treasurer um, Mnuchin indicate that if your PPP loan was under $2 million, then you've basically got a safe harbor, they're not going to look at you too closely as far as, hey, did you have the ability to borrow money elsewhere, like a lot of publicly traded companies do? If you're able to borrow money elsewhere, and you're over $2 million, maybe you shouldn't have taken that loan and i think the deadline for returning the loans was today may the 18th i believe i know it's either coming up or it's today so yeah, a lot of a lot of mid-sized companies that are publicly traded given back that loan because they've got the ability to get money elsewhere and this is meant as a lifeline for small business so let's jump on in to the loan forgiveness application um, here, are, here uh, these are kind of the overviews that I'm going to get into. You've got options for borrowers to calculate payroll costs using an alternative payroll uh, covered period that aligns with borrowers regular payroll cycles. Um, and we'll get into that in a sec. The second thing is flexibility to include eligible payroll and non payroll expenses paid or incurred during the eight week period after receiving the PP loan. The third thing, step by step instructions on how to perform the calculations required by the cares act to confirm eligibility for loan forgiveness. And understand that this is an 11 page application, A couple of the pages in there are fluff. They're more explanation than anything else. But a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's kind of this brutal little application process and there's a lot to it. Then you got to have all your stuff dialed in. And that's why I want to go over this overview so that at, there, there isn't a single company yet that's gone through their full 56 day period. Because the first loans you could apply for were on April 3rd, I applied for mine on April 4th, I got my loan sometime last week, I think it was on Thursday of last week. And so nobody's had their loans for the full 56 days yet of the cycle. Um, And so we're all kind of looking at these loans, or these grants going, all right, here's what we should be doing. Here's how this goes. And uh, one of the guys that I follow a lot is JJ, the CPA. He's got a number of great videos, I kind of look for to him for direction. He's been putting out an incredible amount of content during this period. And he's also funny. One of his his uh, tagline is you never met a CPA like me quite like me. And I believe that is a direct kind of nod to Kid Rock in a song that he had kind of like that, but not really. It's funnier. So all right, number four is borrower friendly implementation of statutory exemptions from loan forgiveness reduction based on rehiring by June 30th. So yeah, it sounds complex, but it's really not. It's basically stating. You gotta have everybody back in business or the equivalent of, or have explanations for P- why you didn't rehire people by June 30th. Just remember, June 30th is kind of the deadline. Addition of a new exemption from the loan forgiveness reduction for borrowers who have made a good faith written offer to rehire workers that was declined. Keep in mind, this is the paycheck protection program. So, most of this has to do with employees. So you're an employer, you got these employees, this uh, forgiveness application kind of works through Hey, what did you do? Here's the amount that you're eligible for forgiveness. The rest of this goes to a 1% loan. All right. so that's kind of the five major overviews. And we'll get into it and you can find this application on the SBA website, and also the Treasury website. It's not hard to find you just Google it and it'll pop up. On the, the SBA um, page that I looked at, there was a bunch of this guidance stuff. And then there's this tiny little hyperlink and the government always seems to bury their hyperlinks. I think they don't really want us to find this stuff. But it was a hyperlink to a PDF and I printed out the PDF and that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Alright, so going through on page one, the the first three things that are kind of linked together are. Employees at the time of loan application got to fill that in. So when you applied, how many employees you had employees at time of forgiveness application. Um, And that is when you're filling out this application form for forgiveness. How many employees do you have then third thing is the PPP loan disbursement date. So those are the three major things you got to have. And the loan disbursement date is when you got the funds. So for me, it would be last Thursday, May the 11th doing backwards math there. Hope that's right. you need to indicate the EIDL advance amount and the EIDL application number. Now the EIDL or IDL, as it's commonly known is the economic injury disaster loan. That was uh, a loan up to $10,000. It was per em- employee that you had times $1,000. You could get a $10,000 basically grant that reduces your amount of forgiveness on the PPP. And we all kind of knew that going into it. I did not apply for the $10,000 up to $10,000 idle loan. It just seemed like a lot more work. And um, I focused on the PPP, because I've still got two businesses going and to kind of handle all this. And then doing research for this um, podcast, i was kind of like, you know, I really wish that I had all this podcasting stuff and other stuff set up for the last recession because the last recession was based on housing, which I actually know this recession that we're in right now. I don't know a ton about, you know, the PPP loans and I'm not a financial I'm not. I'm not a CPA, let's put it that way. Yeah, I took some college courses in accounting, but I'm not a college graduate. So a lot of this stuff goes over my head. And so I just try and understand it as best I can from the standpoint of a small business owner. All right, if I can understand this stuff, then hopefully the next guy can too then here are things you got to watch out for. Or maybe I bring up something that's wrong that you interpret it wrong, you're going to ac- ask your next guy, you're either going to ask your CPA, you're going to do some research on it, you're going to ask your other small business owner buddy, because I've got a bunch of those. And I hit those guys up pretty often, mainly my good friend Dan Flitch, who shameless plug has the Savage Moose in Kenmore. Uh, sports pub, and also the off the rails sports pub here in Bellevue. I talk to him a lot, um, because he's got to know way more about this stuff. um, Because as the owner of a restaurant and a bar, the his complexities are way more than mine, his businesses are set up in a way more complex kind of system with employees and mine's pretty straightforward and pretty cut and dried um, in comparison. So if I don't know something, I reach out to Dan and hey, Dan, what do you think? So all right, the cover and and I'm going through right now is page one, which are just basically instructions for this. Um, for the forgiveness calculation, the covered period is defined as and this is an important thing The covered period is enter the eight week and that's 56 day covered period of your PP loan. The first day of the covered period must be the same as the PP loan. PPP loan uh, disbursement date. So mine would be as of May the 11th. That's the beginning run 56 days from there. And it says for example, if the borrower received its PPP loan proceeds on Monday, April the 20th. That's the first day of the period and then it goes to Sunday, June the 14th 56 days. Is that true? Yeah, I think that is. All right. Whatever. the second thing is you can have the alternative payroll covered period. And that is for administrative convenience if, if you run your business, and you've got more than a payroll period every two weeks, you can do borrowers with a bi weekly or more frequent payroll schedule may elect to calculate eligible payroll costs using the eight week 56 day period that begins on the first day of the first pay period following their PPP loan disbursement date. So you can start that rolling on the first day of the first pay period if you want to. So there's some of this stuff you need to understand and use it to your benefit, whatever advantage you can get from it, go ahead and do it. That's why they're giving it to you knowing that a lot of businesses operate differently. And they're trying to give as many breaks as possible to small business out there and the different ways small businesses operate. All right, if the borrower received the PPP loan in excess of 2 million. You gotta check that box saying, yep, over 2 million, you're going to get some more scrutiny there. And that's part of this application process. But for most of you watching this video, this is going to be a non issue because if you took a payroll loan over $2 million, you've got a big, big shop, you've probably got some kind of in house CPA or somebody that's going to be able to uh, direct you on how to how to make that work. All right, that is that. Uh, On page two, I'm going to run down to line 11. And that basically states if applicable, the SBA will deduct the idle the uh, emergency disaster loan advance amounts from the forgiveness amount. We talked about that, that's just kind of what's going on. All right. so here I'm going to get into the costs that are eligible for forgiveness on this loan. Number one, eligible payroll costs borrowers are generally eligible for forgiveness for the payroll costs paid and payroll costs incurred during the eight week 56 day covered period. So the big thing there is paid and incurred means you can't do it for the whole year and say all right, I'm gonna pay out now can't do that. It's got to be the workers hours workers pay period, whatever, during after you got your loan and through the end of your 50 six-day cycle. So I'm sure you understand that. But just make sure that you follow that super closely. Um, payroll costs are considered paid on the day that paychecks are distributed, or the borrower originates an ACH credit transaction. I know what that is, I just can't really remember. Um, All right, payroll costs are considered incurred on the day that the employees pay is earned. So that's differentiating between when you paid it out and when it was incurred. Count payroll costs that were both paid and incurred only once so you can't double dip that is another major thing is you can't take the same guy's payroll and do it twice they're going to catch you because as we'll get into later, you got to have documentation that covers the amounts that you're filling in here, you've got to be able to support what you're talking about. All right, eligible non payroll costs. Uh, The first one is covered mortgage obligations, payment of interest. This doesn't include any prepayment or payment of principal, So just interest if you've got a mortgage, you get to take your interest eligible non payroll costs also include rent obligations, business rent or lease payments pursuant to lease agreements. For real or personal property in force before February 15, 2020, so you can't enter into a lease agreement after February 2020 and write that off as an expense and ex- and expect expect to get credited for that amount. It has you have the lease has to be in place before February fifteenth. The third thing is covered utility payments and business payments for a service for the distribution of number one electricity. Number two, gas. Number three, water, transportation, telephone, internet access, for which the service began before February 15th. So on all this stuff, it's basically before February 15th. And then anything within that 56-day period is fair game. Um, an eligible non-payroll cost must be prepaid, must be paid during the covered period or incurred during the covered period and paid on or before the next regular billing date. One of the videos I watched on this is what if you so an eligible non payroll cost must be paid during the covered period. All right. what if you prepaid a bunch of your internet or your utilities or your phone bill your cell bill? What if you prepaid a bunch of that? You would incur that cost. And is that an expense? Yeah, it is. But it's for future use. I don't think we've, uh, maybe that's an exemption. Maybe you can go down that road. I probably wouldn't until I got some more clarification. And that's why I'm saying this is kind of an overview of what we're looking at. It's not a super in depth, because a lot of this stuff is probably going to change by the time um, we actually get to doing these uh, applications. And one of the things I keep hearing is that It's uh, for so many small businesses that you're going to change up these percentages 75% isn't going to have to be for your payroll. That's what it is right now. Um, And only 25% can be used towards the other stuff. But I think you'll see that change. I think you might also see uh, there's so many businesses out there right now who aren't even open, and they've already got their money, their PPP loans. And yet what are they supposed to use it on uh, Are they just like my buddy Dan with the bars? He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna have the cleanest bars ever. Because he's gonna get his people back. He's gonna put them to work. And one of the things they can do is clean and get going because they're not officially open. They're doing takeout, but that only requires a limited amount of people. So the more people he can get in there to get his payroll up and going the more, he can use that payroll, the better for him, because it becomes then a forgivable amount. So I think you're going to see the time period over which you can use this extended out. I think you're also going to see the kinds of expenses um, switched out percentages of this money used for this, you know, this and that kind of thing are going to change. But we don't really know that for right now. So for right now, as of the date of this video, consider um, what we've got to work with here on the application and go with that run with that for now. All right, so then we've got on page three of this form, we've got the actual calculation form, and it kind of looks like an IRS form. It's kind of confusing. You gotta really make sure you kind of know what you're doing here. I've looked at it, I mean it starts off with what your loan number is, your lender loan number, disbursement date, a bunch of stuff like that, what your payroll is. You start getting into itemizing stuff and doing percentages. Then on page four, you've got a certification that states um, uh, what what all the money was for you're basically stating you didn't commit fraud by taking this money. Page five is uh, more instructions for the PPP schedule a and that is to do Oh, here it is the PPP schedule a to like you start off with enter cash compensation. Um, and it's, it's another worksheet. And it helps you kind of figure out what your costs are I'm not going to get into that because I think a lot of that will change. But know that if you want to smartly use your PPP loan, look through this application because this is what you're going to be based on. Don't just spend the money on what you think you know in your head of what you're going to do. Really look at the numbers, figure it out, maybe watch some YouTube videos. Maybe watch JJ the CPA. That's my go to guy I have no no affiliation with him whatsoever, other than I found him on uh, the interweb on YouTube. And I watch a lot of his stuff because um, you've never met a CPA quite like him. And so we've got instructions for PPP schedule a on page seven, more stuff. The exemption uh, for full time employees. So there's a way that you can get around. Maybe your business has changed substantially. And you've got different employees and that's okay, they don't have to be the same employees. But the bottom line is, is you need to bring everybody back or bring your employment numbers back by June thirtieth. That seems to be the big number that gets hammered on. Now, there are some exemptions some exceptions for if if something happened with your employee, like the first one is they were fired for cause if your employee is fired for cause, all right, you go out and get another one, fair game, no issues there. Or or the second one is they the employee voluntarily resigned, or voluntarily requested and received a reduction of their hours, maybe they just didn't want to work, maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing their job. in the COVID-19 environment and they're like, Hey, I don't want to do this. And so, you know, I've, I've had in, I've had employees like that. And they're like, I want to still could keep doing my job, but I want to do it from home. And in that case, they're still doing their job and still doing the same number of hours. But if somebody says, I don't want to do my job, I am voluntarily reducing my areas at my hours, then you as the employer, you can get an exemption for that. In any of these cases include these full time employees on this line, only if the position was not filled by a new employee. So if you filled the old person's hours or position with a new employee, you're fine. You're you're totally good. Fair game. Any full time employee reductions in these cases do not reduce the borrower's loan forgiveness. Um, But they're also not counted against you is my understanding. And so then we go through boxes one through five. And then you've got the full time employee reduction safe harbor that kind of goes into what I was just talking about basically, by June 30th, you kind of need to have things dialed in. You've got another couple of worksheets. And then on page 10, and that's the last page I'm going to get into on page 10. You have the documentation that you need to provide. So far, as we know it right now, you've got the documentation, and it's basically the same. Sorry. uh, It's basically the same documentation that you used to get the PPP loan. You just need to give the updated information. And for in my case, it's basically a report from my payroll company. I use paychecks. They're here locally in Washington, and they handle all of our payroll. My office manager calls in everybody's hours or whatever it is. and they figure out all the taxes and withholding and stuff they take that responsibility. We pay them per paycheck, a standard payroll stuff. But we're going to be getting uh, so you can either send in a bank account statements or third party payroll service provider reports documenting the amount of cash compensation paid to employees. So if you're not doing a payroll service, make sure you've got documentation. And then also what I'm going to do is every one of the bills like the utilities and the rent. We're going to have a statement and then we're also going to line item it in our checking account. I am also going to be taking all my PPP money, putting that into a separate bank account, so that I don't commingle funds and it'll be super clear what money was used for what. And yeah, it'll be a pain in the rear on some of the automatic payments, I'm going to have to switch over the automatic payments from my regular bank account, or wherever it is that I you know, debit card, whatever that I make those payments out of and then um, I'm going to have to assign it to the new account. But whatever, it's not a forever thing. We're gonna have to do this for a couple of months. Yeah, is it a pain in the rear? Yeah. Is it going to take some more time on my office manager? Yeah, it is. But to me, in order to be in compliance with this whole thing and have a really good written record of what we're doing. That's what makes the most sense to me. And um, even though I'm under $2 million for the loan, I think you're still gonna have a little bit of scrutiny. Somebody's actually gonna sit down and look at all this stuff and go, okay, yep, you're in line. All right, we're gonna forgive this amount. Um, or we're gonna forgive your whole thing. You did a really good job on getting all your numbers together and you used the money the way it was supposed to be used. So, hey, nice job, small business owner. Well done. We're gonna give you that as a grant. All right, and so that is basically about it. And then it kind of goes also into the non payroll, um, what you need to bring in. So either copies of checks or bank statements indicating, hey, I use this money towards this, just be able to document uh, what you're doing. And then you each uh, borrower must maintain but is not required to submit. You've got uh, schedule a worksheets and some other stuff that's within the application, but you just need to keep that on file, you don't have to send that in. The only things that you need to send in are um, some tax forms, if that's the way you're going payment receipts, if um, That's how you're providing information or your payroll information from your um, payroll person or provider or whatever. So that is really about it. So it's 11 pages of form. The actual application itself is only a couple of pages, a lot of its instructions, a lot of its worksheets, it's kind of your standard government financial worksheet, it's a little bit more in depth. To me, it's kind of like doing a schedule 1040 the um, tax form, the IRS tax form, and maybe with adding in one more thing, maybe like with one house with some depreciation, something like that. It's the equivalent of that. So you got to wrap your head around some some concepts. And basically, you got to understand how it works. And spend your money wisely, spend it accordingly. So that is about it for me, I think I've covered everything and as changes come up, I will certainly let you know I know last week, I did uh, the did a podcast on the under 2 million. Uh, aspect of the PPP loan that if you got a loan for under 2 million, you're basically safe harbor and you don't need to worry about it. So check that one out if you had questions, but I think anybody who got a PPP loan, they're kind of keeping up on this stuff and they're looking to see what's out there and hey, am I going to be okay and so consume as much information as you can. If you're in question, and you want to hit up somebody that really knows what they're doing. Hit up a CPA. Don't hit up a financial guy like me a real estate guy, because they're gonna have a better understanding and they're gonna dig deeper than I have. I've just kind of given you a broad overview of what's going on here. But um, hopefully that in that in the information I've provided here helped. If you're watching this on YouTube, love to have you subscribe to our channel. And for those of you listening on the podcast platforms, thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I will catch you on the next one. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye.